Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wants support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny, Dana and Randy Yarton. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll fully understand that reference. But if you're not, um, God, you just, just watch the video. Um, I'm already joining us with Tom Green and we are the Borough podcast that gives you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Middlesbrough Football Club. And what a week. Um, Borough managed to win back-to-back games for the first time since Luton and Birmingham in December to move three points closer to sixth place, sixth place Bournemouth, who have just appointed as Jonathan Woodgate as manager until the end of the season. Um, but we'll come on to that a little bit later on. But Dana, a 2-0 win at the Medeski State, Stadium yesterday against promotion rivals Reading. Um, it's now seven unbeaten against them uh, with six wins and one draw. Um, how did Bora manage to get that result yesterday? I mean, there was a lot of factors that contributed to it, but I think... It all really boils down to Borough nullifying their danger men and silencing them and not allowing them to really stamp their authority on the game and physicality and midfield press were key to that. And then key to that further was uh, Dale Fry and Sam Morsey and we'll we'll obviously get on to to Morsey a little bit later on. But nobody could have been blamed for thinking that Lucas Zhao would have uh, an impact on that game, a massive impact on that game and threaten us. And he didn't really. I mean, he, he... lost all but one of his duels yesterday, both ground and aerial, and Dale Fry was a massive part of that. He was, you know, to slot straight back in after his injury and deal with Lucas Shaw as well as he did. I mean, he didn't really get a sniff Shaw in the game because Dale Fry was, was always on him. He was always being physical, getting tight to him, and he really stifled him, and, and that was key. And then the midfield press um, from a red and persuasion, if Shaw's not in the game, you're probably thinking, well, you look to Michael Elise and Ovi Ajaria to win you the game. And then with that, we we stifled them as well and um, didn't real, really allow them to stamp their authority on the game. So, you know, it was a, it was a very good performance in Borough. And probably I'd actually pin it as top three performance of the season alongside Nottingham Forest away and Bristol City away. They did everything that Neil Warnock asked of them. Um, and it was a fantastic win and, and really well deserved from Borough. Yeah, we were we were very very good yesterday, and we'll come on to that a little bit a little bit later on, more like a technical breakdown of it. But Tom, uh, a very good performance all around yesterday. Dana's alluded to it, top three performance of the season for her. Um, what impressed you about Boris' performance yesterday? I think just because it was a, a very complete performance. Uh, just to touch on a couple of things, Dana said. I thought the defense was absolutely solid yesterday. Del Fry, obviously, a massive part of that. Um, I think it, it was mentioned by the the commentators, uh, the Redden commentators who were doing the stream at, at half time, that their coach was going to have a word with the referee because he didn't like the fact that Lucas Zhao was pretty much being bullied all through the first half. And I think, like like Dana said, you, you'd expect him to to have an impact, but we absolutely nullified him yesterday. Uh, the midfield pressed really well. Um, one of my complaints over recent games is that we've reverted to, to long ball far too often um, when we've kind of like run out of ideas. But 
we were playing it across the, the floor yesterday, playing some good stuff at times, uh, creating decent amount of chances, and yeah, it was perfect away performance, I think. Yeah, it was simplicity done well. I thought yesterday, I thought we were very, very good on the ball. It was no risk uh, when we were playing at the back, outside, out from the back, or we were trying to get the ball forward as well. I really liked how we, we pushed up the, the full-backs yesterday in more of like a central position in terms of in the midfield, where you cause that... You cause that uh, What's, what's what is the best word to say? You call it the um oh man, the words just gone from my head. Uh, overlord, <laughs> overlord, yeah, overlord. You call it the overlord uh, in in the midfield. When you've got that there, you can really camp in the opposition's half and make things really difficult for them. Pretty sure that's not our style, but what we were able to do in that first half was really make things really difficult for for Reading um, and force them out wide and trying to get balls in the box, which we know is is our very much our strength. But then a Sam Marzi, um absolute snip. Uh, from from Wigan this year, under a million pound. Obviously, him and Fisher have totaled to about just under a million pound, which is fantastic business uh, for us. But Neil Warnock said it was the best he's seen him play, and he didn't know he could play at that level. Um, but how much credit do you think he deserves uh, following that display of sticks? I thought he was absolutely tremendous. Definitely my man of the match, for sure. Yeah, he deserves immense praise. I mean, um, I think he was key to that victory just like I said winning those battles in midfield um, pressing effectively he used the ball well when he had it he kept us ticking over in midfield and I criticised the Boris usage of him um, last week because he was our most advanced um, midfielder against Derby but it worked yesterday because he was able to press them high up the pitch and also because he was using the ball so well he was getting it forward and you saw the industrial work that he had for the for the assist I mean it's a simple layoff for, for Mark Butler but the way that he gets into the box in the first place is really impressive and yeah, for me, that was his best performance. I think the Coventry game, I'm sure it was that game where he had a really good performance and he was pivotal to that. Him and Dale Fry were absolutely excellent yesterday. I think a few people gave Dale Fry a man of the match, which is perfectly fine as well. I think Fry was fantastic. But for me, I, I agree with you, Johnny. I think Sam Morsey was was absolutely superb. Yeah, he's really come to the table now. And it, it's interesting that we, we've, we've both mentioned, or we've all mentioned around having that three in midfield and... Whether they all three of them of Savile, Housen and Morsey can all play together. Um, we did say you want to pick one or the other between Housen and Morsey. Um, just given Savile's record of going forward, he's the second, I think he's, yeah, he's second in the highest goal contributions for Borough this year with nine mm. um, goals that go with four goals and, and five assists. Only only Neymar's in front of him on that one. Um, but with with that three in midfield, Tom, Housen, Savile and Morsey, Savile's dropped out in the last two games um, and Borough have managed to get full points from from the back of that so does that kind of prove the point that we can't play all three in midfield due to the similarity of play I don't think it necessarily uh, proves it off the back of one game because we have had other games where uh, the three in midfield have actually done well um, but I think it, it just proves that it, it's good for, for this system um, I think it was just after the, the Huddersfield game uh, when Warnock had said we, we pretty much do play with a free in midfield, but it's when Paddy McNair steps out from defence as we're going forwards. So it, it just seems like we're trying a, a different option there now. Uh, it does seem to be kind of a more full free free going forwards with McNair uh, stepping up into midfield and dropping back when uh, when, when we're on the, the defence. So... It, it just seems like Savile had to be the one to make way to to really play that system. Yeah, and Josh Savile's been very, very good this season as well. So I think it'd be it's it's unfortunate for him to miss out. But when Marsley and Housen are playing that well, and when we're trying to play that certain system, it can be quite difficult for him to to get back into it. But Dana, we've both mentioned it there. Bor reverted back to a three uh, or a, a five, given with with them about the ball. Um, and the stats look well for Borough and I want to pull some stats your way and see if, see what you think of them um, so when we've played three at the back this year uh, Borough have won 7-4 drawn four, lost 2 uh, with a win rate of 53% um, we've played a 4-2-3-1 and a 4-3-3 our win rate is 33% um, I appreciate we've played that a lot more but we've lost uh, 10 games off the back of that um, do you think the 3-5 the three three, is, is definitely the system we should stick with going forward? Yeah, definitely. I do like Borough playing that. And similarly to what Tom said last week about the 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3, how he wanted Borough to sort of play that uh, going forward. I actually want Borough to play with the 3-5-2 going forward because I just think it suits the players that we've got and it strikes a really good 
balance within the squad and I really want Borough to emphasise the wide plane and try to use that as a strength. I know that we do tend to work the ball out wide and we don't, I think sometimes we don't use it as effectively as we should and then when we do, the strikers aren't gambling but the three-five-two really works because one of Borough's major issues and we've said this so many times is going forward and being clinical and um, I think statistically it's still not great our goal scoring in the three-five-two, but I do think that with Watmore especially now, um, we do have an extra dimension to our player going forward and he's vital to that both he and Cabano actually are really important to that because you've got essentially runners off Ashley Fletcher and Ashley Fletcher does a really good job I mean um, the goal against Huddersfield came from firstly Bettinelli's kick so praise Bettinelli for that it comes to Ashley Fletcher you know great hold-up player and then that's when Duncan Watmore um <clears throat> starts the, the you know fantastic solo goal of the season. Um, so I think that that is really important for Borough, sort of being able to just excel more going forward. And I think with the 3-5-2, should we stick with it, I do think it would get the best out of the squad. There's obviously question marks over wingers, like Balassi, for example, but I, I do think that Balassi could potentially play as maybe um, a, a striker option. I know he played there against Norwich, um, can't really say much about that because it was his first game and he's a little bit rusty but for me stick with a 3-5-2 and build a team around it yeah it's, it's quite a strange 3-5-2 it's more of like a 3-2-2-1 a, a isn't it it's very really, when you think about yeah where, where the way the the wingers come in and play more of like a central free free roman role and i think the three at the back really works just to be honest with you dana i think it it helps us become compact um, and get the ball out wide, and it also protects our defenders. I think Borough's biggest weakness as a team is that we are very slow at the back. Um, no disrespect to Grant Hall, McNair, or Fry, but they're not exactly the quickest, and we need probably that protection and from the from the midfield, like such as House, and where we play like more of like a three-one-four. It's 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 a good indicator of where we can stop the number ten coming in. We can also have two men spare where they can drop a little bit deeper um, to stop uh, a player running through. But then also, it's an interesting little fact around crosses, which I'm going to come on to now. Um, and the way Mills were played at the moment is very, very interesting. Um, and we can get teams to play to our strengths. Uh, and just in this, what I mean by crossing. So, um, as we have big brutes of defenders and of pace isn't our strong point. We're forcing teams out wide to cross the ball in the box. Um, and when we cross the ball in the, ball in the box, we've got big lads in there. We compact the, the penalty box and it's really, really difficult for something to happen for the opposition team. Hence why when we play against more fluid teams who play like play intricate passing like a Brentford, we find it really difficult because the movement just overloads our centre-halves. But yesterday, uh, Reading crossed the ball in the box 20 times yesterday. Uh, when they've done that in the previous games, they've lost seven out of the last 10. Um, and I want to pick up that start around crosses um, because Borough, when we've had uh, all the 16 crosses in a game against us, we've won eight out of those 11 games. When we've had less than 16 crosses, uh, we've won six, drawn six, lost 10. Uh, so it's a clear strength for Borough to try and get the ball out wide and remain compact and make things really difficult for the opposition. When we are playing that intricate passing, like I mentioned, that's where we find find difficulties and that's where Neil Warnock always finds difficulty in the Premier League because the style is just a little bit too too neat and too fluid and too like crisp and that's why Neil Warnock's sides don't tend to do very well unless you bring in more of like a pace your centre-back like a, a Jaffet Tengana who's at Spurs at the moment if you brought him in for Borough next year and we were in the Premier League he'd be a very very good addition because he's able to counteract that uh that pace from the attack but then also he's got that ability to you know get the ball clear as well because he's a bit of a brute as well but tom do you think now that i've give all of that start at you and i've give you a lot of information do you think redden have played into borough's hands yesterday given that borough's strengths really do lie in that compact uh being compact getting the ball outside the box and you know forcing them to cross the ball in then just for us to head out do you think they've just played in our hands? I'd say, I'd say yeah, and also we've set up knowing that they were going to do that as well. Um, <clears throat> I'd, I'd probably say that there was a fair amount of scouting went into that. Um, so we know that they're going to try and cross it into to Lucas Show quite a lot, but 
yeah, that that is obviously uh, quite a strength of ours. And as you said earlier, with uh, Lucas Show losing, was it was it all all but one of his jills yesterday? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that just shows how effective it worked. So they did play in our hands, but also we've played to our strengths and 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 set up knowing that we can cancel them out. Mm, it's it's very very clever from from Bora really to to have that similar style, and it always works well in the championship because each team like to have that big centre forward. Um, and not many teams have that very intricate, you know, crisp passing. Maybe like Leeds last year, Brentford, Swansea. You know, there's not many teams that play that style. So when we do play against some of like the more, you know, nicer teams or like the, you know, like the ones that hit hit along, we tend to have a bit of a field day with it. Um, but psychologically, Dana, to nullify Redden going forward, Lucas Jown not really getting a kick. How big of a win do you think that is for Borough? Because Beating one of your promotion rivals and having a good record against the top six can be massive, really, in the running, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, that Huddersfield game, I always wanted Borough to add to that because I didn't want to look back at it as a standalone victory. So it was really good that we we built on it as well, and especially against a, a good Reading side who are obviously up there on merit. I remember the, the reverse fixture, the podcast about that. I was, I was thinking, well, how, how are Reading... Um, where they are because I think the XG uh, charts as um, the guys in the second tier will tell you didn't really reflect well on Reading um, he's got a bit of a stick about that Ryan but um, I, I think psychologically it does give Bor a little bit of a of a boost because that's now two wins in a row and you see with Cardiff now under Mick McCarthy I think you do need to build momentum at this stage of the season particularly if you are in a playoff race so I think you know it's obviously given Borough a massive boost and then the way that we played the game as well we we had to dig in in the second half and it was a different side to our game because we had to essentially slow it down you saw when we were um when we had a throw in we were slowing the pace of the game right down to just take the sting out of it and and really stifle Reading's momentum and that's really really good game management of course it would be nice for us to get another goal and we probably should have killed the game off but I think the way the game panned out the performance and the result is really massive for for Borough and then going into the game against Bristol City um it'll do us the world of good yeah, and another an interesting fact to throw your way when Borough do go ahead, um, they do tend to sit a little bit deeper. So when you watch like the game in like a third, like three thirds on of, of the pitch, Mills would move, transition from that second to third, uh, second to third, third of of the pitch where they do sit a little bit deeper and they try and get teams on the counter attack, which is actually really interesting and good game management uh, because essentially when Borough try, when teams are trying to play at Borough's strengths, they actually have to force the ball out wide. So it is very, very good. It's very, very good for Neil Warnock to actually do those type of things for Borough, um, but also it can be, it can actually go against you when you sit a little bit too deep and you force the pressure, and then teams will eventually equalise. And that's where Borough struggle. Um, but when they do go ahead, Tom, um, that was the ninth time we went ahead um, and won. Ninth time we went ahead in a game and won this season. Um, do you think that is a key mineral for for Borough going forward and help us getting helping us get to that next level and and compete with the top six? You know, getting a goal and sticking with it and trying to like see the game out and and being able to see the game out as well. Do you think that's like the, a key factor in getting us to that next level and competing with the top six? Yeah, absolutely. Because you you can't just kind of keep going at the same same tempo and trying to add leaving yourself open. Because um, it, it will kind of come come back and bite you, and I, I think any of the the teams up there at the top of the table would probably be be the same. Maybe with the exception of Brentford, because they just don't care; they can score goals whenever they want. But um, yeah, obviously we, we we need to maintain those winning positions as soon as we get them, and it's good that we're we're doing a, a good job of those. Um, I, I think. It was on the BBC T's phone, and yesterday Maddo was talking about this. Um, he said, when you go in at 2-0, um, the manager, in his experience, would usually be saying, just don't concede in the second half, because that that's going to get us the win. Uh, if we concede, it's a completely different game. Uh, just stay solid, and obviously hit them on the counter-attack if you can, but just don't concede. I, I think that that philosophy is uh, going to be key for us if we're we're going to try and keep this uh, keep this up consistently. Hopefully, sneak into the playoffs at the end of the season. We need to be doing this rather than kind of going for goal difference and leaving ourselves open. 
Yeah, well, we'll come on to that in the question section very, very shortly. But I want to go on to Huddersfield um, during the week because it was a game where when Huddersfield scored that free kick early doors, <coughs> I thought, Dana, here we go again. <laughs> uh, it was, it wasn't. I can't say it because we're on on, on a radio session, but. Uh, it was a, a great comeback from Middlesbrough, and it was great, and it was a result that we very much needed. I don't, I think it didn't really matter how well or how bad we played. We really just needed the points because if we did lose that game, it would have been the first time ever in Middlesbrough's history that they would have lost six games in a row at home. Um, so, Dana, there's there's only two real factors I want to talk about in this game, um, and one of them is Duncan Watmore. Uh, obviously, it was a hell of a goal, and. <laughs> It was nice to have him back, wasn't it? And you know, a goal of the season contender as well. I mean, Mark Bowler might have to have to ask him about that one because I was an absolute rocket man from him yesterday. So, uh, Duncan Watmore, what do you think of his performance Wednesday night and on Saturday, and what do you think he brings to this poor side? I think he just knits things together, really. He knits the midfield to the attack. And I mean, that goal epitomised that half of half, really. It was the best half of half of a football match I think I've seen from Bora. I mean we were absolutely <laughs> sinfully and it was fantastic from like the 20, 20 minute to, to half time and they had me for a second because I remember the, the last podcast I was bigging up 3-5-2 we started slowly but then we got ourselves into it. We were working um, the ball out wide in dangerous areas to Cabano and, and Watmore and Watmore was at the heart of that. That goal I mean I had to rub my eyes and sort of, I was sat back and I was like did I really just see a Bora player do that? I mean he took two players on and one player on twice I mean I think it was Nabi Sar, poor Nabi Sar. he literally left him on the floor on the far side and then as um, as he picked himself up he comes back over and he does him again and he also does um, O'Brien for good measure and I mean to have that type of run and then the conviction as well to put the ball in the back of the net with a fantastic uh, finish bottom corner I mean that was absolutely fantastic and it sums up what Duncan Watmore's bringing to the table this season he's just so positive and that was a real key of that phase of 20 minutes or so we were being positive proactive and we were taking risks we sacrificed a little bit of uh, defensive element from our game because we were pushing Mozzie and Housen up um, from midfield so it did leave us a little bit exposed but you could tell that we were hungry for the equaliser we got it we then obviously got ourselves in front and it was a really good um, half of a half of football and yeah Duncan Watmore that that has to be goal of the season Sure, Mark Baller might. Uh... No, I th- great goal from Ball yesterday, but I think Duncan Watmore has to get that. Yeah, with Baller scoring, we're going to be going to the Bongo very, very shortly once we get out of this. Uh, this pandemic. You know, we've got to go to Manjaro's, we've yeah. got to go to Bongo. We could do it all in one night, to be honest. You know, get like a <laughs> try and make a Borough breakdown night out. And yeah, just get, we can do. In... When will that be, Johnny? 2025? <laughs> Probably 2025, yeah. Uh, but you know, get everyone who's listening to the podcast now. You're invited. We'll 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 order. We'll you know we'll rent out Manjaro's. We'll get Jed in if Jed's still at the club in 2025. We'll just bring him back for that moment. You know, go to the bongo. <laughs> make sure the make sure the cameras are working. We we'll are right. You know what I mean? So you you know that we'll have uh, a technical breakdown. Always happens. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. We'll, something will happen. But you know, it it, it could be the, a night out that we that we needed. But it was interesting in that game against Huddersfield yesterday that not yesterday on on, on midweek that uh, that as soon as Mbenzo went off injured, they just absolutely capitulated and it, they were terrible. Um, and it was just it just played well strengths like we couldn't handle the pace. And then as soon as the pace went away, then that was it. We we were fine for the rest of the half. But obviously when the second half came and then they brought the pace back on, that was when we we found things really difficult. And it kind of proves our point from earlier. Uh, but Tom Duncan, what more? He, do you think he's been unlucky to be on the bench over the last couple of weeks, just given the likes of Balassi and Cabano coming in, um, and which has seen him drop to the bench? Uh, a little bit, yeah. And I think you could make that, that case for, for Marvin Johnson as well on the other side of things. Um, but I think it's important to remember like the first half of the season when, when those guys were doing really well. Obviously, Watmore had a, a very good spell of form when he came in. Marvin Johnson... Uh, I think you said earlier he's been our most effective player going forwards, Has? but we didn't have a lot of other options um, in those uh, in those areas. And it is worth remembering that both of those players have had games where they haven't really contributed, uh, potentially because of the run of fixtures taken out of them, as, as we spoke about last week. So when we have other options in those areas, 
and kind of two players for for those positions as we were talking for, uh, about last week. It is good to be able to switch them out um, and and give the the fresher players um, a bit more of a run. So yeah, it it is un, uh, unlucky for him and Johnson they have been on the bench, um, but I think it's it's worth remembering they they've done a lot of of heavy lifting throughout this season and could have been tired. Um, so but it, it's just good to have options, Don, in those areas. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll both be getting their uh, even more chances over the course of the season anyway, especially after goal from from what more uh, midweek. Yeah, I'm sure Don will be delighted with the options <laughs> and with with the goal as well. Um, but I know we haven't mentioned him, and I know I didn't put it in the notes, but um, Niskan Cabano, what a signing! Like I know he hasn't, but yeah. I know it's only really been three games, but he brings so much to the table, helps connect the midfield, helps us get on the counter-attack. And I just can't wait for, like, even Balassi to come back and help us out a little bit more too and, you know, sometimes give what more rest or if he needs to. And, you know, it's just been it's just been so nice to have such a good sign and come in. But then also Fletch coming back as well. Mm. Uh, Fletch has came back two and two now, and that's really positive for us too. And I love Borough to keep Fletch for next year. Uh, give him whatever he wants, you know, Give him the real third and just uh, give him the contracts, put whatever number he wants on there, um, and keep and tie him down because I think he's instrumental for what Borough are trying to do um, for next season. Because if we doesn't sign, then we only got you Brack Pom as an actual striker at mm. the club. Um, but one final point about the Huddersfield game before we move on to the questions um, is the red cards, probably the most controversial part of the game. Uh, then uh, another dubious decision as well, which hasn't went Borough's way. Yes, it did get rescinded. Um, and rightly so as well. Um, and I know I said in the last podcast that one says a bit too much about the officiating. And I know it, it drives me, it, it does me head in that like he does it all the time. But <laughs> does he does he have a point? Because that was a pretty soft red card. It probably wasn't a red card either. And obviously with Dale Fry, you know, nearly losing her eye suck. <laughs> and it was given a goal kick. Um, does he Does he have a point? <clears throat> Yeah, he does have a point. I mean, the standard of refereeing in the championship and just in English football, I mean, Graham Sooners was having a right old rant about it yesterday after the Fulham game. Um, it, it needs to be addressed. You know, I think we, we need to have a, a massive conversation about this, not us as, as a trio, but, the, you know, the big wigs at football need to have a proper conversation about this because... The rules, they've changed them so much. I don't even think the referees know what is right and what is wrong anymore. And, I mean, that decision, taking it in isolation with Paddy McNair, I can sort of see the argument of giving a red card, but at the same time, you know, he's won the ball cleanly. And there's a picture online that really does it quite dirty because it looks like Paddy McNair's about to break Janino Bakuna's leg and that really wasn't the case. I mean it was a it was a fine tackle. It was full blooded and it was hefty, but it was fair and clean and um you know I'm I'm really glad that we've obviously got that rescinded because Paddy McNair is such an important player for us, especially if we do want to move forward with a three five two for the rest of the season or for the foreseeable future because he's at the heart of that, like Tom mentioned, running into midfield and just giving us that extra option. Um, you know, it's it's something that's a big part of that that um formation. So yeah, that I mean that decision was was a head scratcher at the time and they they need to have a conversation about the refereeing in the, in, in the championship and um, in England because yeah I know Neil Warnock moans about them all the time but he does have a point a lot of the time I mean the fact that Jared Branthwaite can get off scot free with pretty much assaulting um, Dill Fry with his with his boot and then Paddy McNair gets sent off for that I mean it's just you look at these decisions and you think what is even going on with with the standard of refereeing in this in this um, country what's the point in playing ref exactly. um... <laughs> Um, but one final point on Huddersfield Town um, to pop up my phone that they have just signed Yaya Sinogo. Have for they? The end of the season. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. So there you go. Borough breakdown. Itk um, for for Huddersfield Town. I'm Denny glad we don't have to play them again because they would have definitely scored against us. Oh yeah. Do you remember? Remember Alex? Remember Alex Nimley? By the way, um, unfortunately, that's a name. Like, yeah. Yeah. Where like he just he didn't score at all uh and then 
<laughs> and then went and scored his only goal to Riverside against us. But yeah, let's move on, shall we? Let's let's chat about questions, and we've got quite a lot of them to go through, guys. Um, Danny Beamore says, I know you guys love 5-3-2, but once Tav and Balassi are back, do we stick to this formation or do we try to fit them in? Tom, do you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think, as I mentioned earlier on, it is kind of more of a, a 4 3 3 going forwards anyway. I don't particularly think it is a 5 3 2. Um, I know you said earlier it is quite a, quite a fluid one. I think to me it looked more kind of like a 5 2 3. Um, and then once McNair's into that midfield three, then it's a 4 3 3 going forwards. You've got the full backs pushing on which is obviously a, a key part of that 4-3-3 formation. I mean, the, obviously nowhere near the same level, but look at Alexander-Arnold and Robertson for um, for Liverpool and how instrumental they are. Um, so in terms of fitting them in, I think, like, like I said earlier about uh, Watmore and, and Johnson um, and, and Cabano and... Uh, you know, Blasi, they're going to be some rotation. People will get their the chances in the, in the team. Um, Tab might be kind of more involved in the in the free and midfield rather than on the wings. Um, but I think we, we've got the got the choice with him. Um, if if we want him to be the uh, the championship Robin again, then chop him on on the right. But yeah, I, I don't I don't think it it'll necessarily be the matter of fitting them back in. I think it's just rotation they, they will get the chances as soon as they're back yeah it, it doesn't really matter as well i think if we move to a 431 or a if i keep the, the the three you know the, the five three two or the, the the you know the five two three whatever system you want to you want to play it to um i don't think it really matters too much i think you're spot on with the rotation side of things tom i think if tav comes back in you know, you've got Cabano that can move to the left-hand side um, and you can bring Tav and Tav back in that way. But if you want to play as a 4-2-3-1, you can stick Tav in um, on the right-hand side of midfield and then also play with Cabano and, and Watmore and then put Fletch up front. So you've got options done and uh, it doesn't really matter. I just think it's, it's more of a case of... It's just making sure the system works. Like we said earlier in the podcast, like the 4-2-3-1 might not be the most effective formation for us, both tactically and um, statistically. It, it might not work for us. As, as well as Warnock wants it to. Um, but I would probably stick with the, the five for now and make sure we can see it out to the end of the season. But it's nice to have the options. Um, but question again from Rob Fletcher. Um, and by the way, uh, Boromag, if you haven't bought one already, um, they're going to be doing like a pre-order very soon for the new edition. Um, but you can also buy the online version for three quid. So please do. All the money goes to charity. Um, but then also with this question, he's asked quite a few of them. Um, so I'm going to try and cherry pick it. But he says... How much better are we for three at the back? I feel like we've answered it um, in, in, in the breakdown. Has Savile saw things down in midfield? Have we, do we think Savile saw things down in midfield? And then also, is Cabano going to be one of the best of the January signings? And will we get top six? So there's loads of questions to break down. Um, but I feel like we can box off the Savile and the the top th- and the three at the back one. But Cabano, one of the best January signings, and do you think we'll get top six? Open question. Who wants to take it? Dana, do you want to say these ones? Yeah, sure. I think Cabano has the potential. I mean, it, I don't want to jump on him too too quickly and say that he's one of the best. I think he's had a, a really good start. He's obviously had an impact. He's contributed. He's had a goal and assist and you know two victories as well and, and has contributed to that. Maybe not in terms of goal contributions in the last two games, but at the same time, his play has been absolutely excellent. Like you said, you know he, he knits the um, the attack together, similar to Watmore, um, and it's just good to see the drive and the energy and just being direct as well, and that's exactly yeah. what he said um, and Neil Warnock said himself when we signed him that's the type of player that he is and he's exciting and it's it's good to see players like that that really harness that talent um, and it's what we're missing we're missing players that can play on the front foot that can really take the game to the opposition and I think that's what Cabano does and he's a really likeable guy as well I want to see him score a goal so he could do that dance that he did when he scored against Fulham in the cup that would be absolutely fantastic you know when we we memed it um that would be fantastic to see but yeah he's he's got the potential um if he keeps performing the way that he is I would love to see him back at the Riverside next season um and as for the top six I don't know I keep flip-flopping with this because 
I said, I think I said um, beginning of February, ask me then. And now I'm saying, ask me at the end of February. I will earmark the Cardiff game. Um, and I think we've got a question about that. Oh, um, I don't know whether it's in your notes, but we did have a question about it, about the Cardiff game. Um, that is a really important game for us. So if we if we win that one, we have absolutely every chance because um, teams will do us favours from now until the end of the season, but we also have to do ourselves a favour and get our own results. And with the, the two wins that we've got now, hopefully we can go on and run, like I said, and really gain momentum going into the final stretch of the season. Yeah, I haven't got the the Cardiff one on my notes, but we'll 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 come back to Cardiff in a second, um, and around being the top six. I think nickname Cabano, we just call him nice guy Cabano because that's what he is. He's just a really nice guy, isn't he? Um, <laughs> nice guy Cabano instead of a Coco Cabano. So just it's just nice guy Cabano from now on. Um, but uh, Nick Bale sent us a question as well. Um, it's two parter, and he says around like the five at the back, do you think it's best suited? And I think we've kind of said yes it is probably more best suited but we're not the manager and we'll be interested to see what Neil does over the next couple of weeks mm. um, around the around the four at the back or whether we, st- we stick with a three personal preference I know we said it earlier but I want to split three at the back um, but also he says which team sat outside the playoffs do you think is best placed to get in the top six um, now there's two teams I think are in very much trouble to fall out of it and I think that is Reading and Bournemouth unless Woody uh, picks up a little bit more. He's got a good record so far, Jonathan will get a Bournemouth, so it's well-deserved to get the job, but they are the ones that are holding that sixth spot and th- only three points uh, clear of that of the, the remaining team. So which team do you think is best placed to get in the top six? Because it is very, very tight at the moment. Um, Tom, do you want to take it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was looking at the table yesterday and I never thought I'd be saying this at the start of the season, but Barnsley... Yeah. Uh, they've, really they've got a game, game in hand on, on us and Cardiff. Uh, Redden and, and Bournemouth are obviously the most in danger of dropping out with our top six. And I, I think if, every year in the Championship, there always seems to be that, that one team that goes under the radar, picks up a really good spell of form in the second half of the season, sneaks into like fifth or sixth. I think that could be them. Yeah, QPR look good as well. Um, Cardiff have. Unbelievable under Mick McCarthy. Uh, they've, I think, what is it, five in a row or something stuff like that? Yeah, something like crazy. that. Crazy. Mm. Yeah, crazy. So he's he's done very well as well. Dana, have you got one, the best players? Do you think there's another team? Do you think, or do you going to agree with Tom and say Barnsley? No, I do think Barnsley, Cardiff as well. But, I mean, Barnsley are, are such a fantastic side to, to watch. You know, that really high-pressing game. Um, they've got some really, really good players, good young players that they've read through. The, their wing-backs, the two Callums on either side, are absolutely fantastic. And, and their manager has really picked up from where Stendhal left off. And, um, yeah, doing absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's Struber. Sorry, not Stendhal, Struber. Um, and he's done absolutely fantastic. So, you know, if they get into the top six, fair play to them because they're a prime example of building blocks, you know, a team that just really adds to what they've got. Um, and improves it. So fair play to them if they get it. Brilliant, but hopefully we're in there with them. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. But the thing with Barnsley, I think there is the the there is that element of burnout. We've got a very very young sides. They play a very high press. And I think they've got to be really careful how they approach games in in the coming weeks because you can see it with like the teams like Southampton and you can also see it with the likes of Leeds and as well and where that press just becomes a little bit too much and then you once you've beat the press you're disoriented disoriented and then yeah it's very very difficult to play that type of game so it'll be interesting to see how they adjust towards the end of the season um, and hopefully maybe get to the top six but next question from Tom Muldowney Dana says today is the first of eight matches in 30 days uh, do we look to rest uh, those players who've played every minute, such as McNair, Baller, Housen, or do we or do we risk uh, upsetting the balance? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Do, should we rest these players, or should or should we not? No, I think the I think the ship has sailed on that. I keep thinking back to the the derby game, the reverse fixture at the Riverside, where I think it was. Um, close to when Ian Bearclough played Paddy McNair and three, all three of those international games. I was saying in the podcast, that's probably the time to rest him. I mean, fair play, we didn't. He's an important part of the team, so I can see why Warnock didn't. 
but um, I feel like now you've got to keep it. You've got to keep them all in there. We obviously don't know what their fitness levels are like and what they're feeling physically at the moment. Obviously, there'll probably be a little bit of stiffness, but I don't think you know, it's a risk. I mean, you're running the risk of playing them from now until the end of the season, potentially getting an injury. We've seen it with Tav, Dale Fry as well. But I think we've got to keep them. They're important parts of the team. Housen is absolutely fantastic in midfield. He just sets the base for all of our performances. He keeps us ticking over midfield. He does a fantastic job. Matt Bowler is playing incredibly well, and I don't think you drop him. Even though Marvin Johnson's been unlucky to, to miss out, I think you keep Matt Bowler in there. And then I think you have to keep Paddy Monaire in midfield, especially if we do stick with the three at the back, because like I mentioned before, he's so important to that. So... I f- yeah, I feel like it's probably too late now to to rest these players. And I know that we've, we've obviously got options now because Grant Hall's back. So there is rotation there, whereas before we just couldn't. You know, that's why we were playing Nathan Wood. But personally, I wouldn't. I would I would keep them there. Um, but obviously much depends on how the fitness guys behind the scenes sort of judge it. But... Um, if they've done well to to get to this point in the season and they're still playing all these games, I think just see out the rest of the season the same and don't disrupt the balance, like Tom said. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a difficult one for for Warney, but well, we'll, we'll I I kind of agree with you, Dana. To be honest, I I agree. I think risking, I think it's just good that we have options. Do you know what I mean? I think it's it's very very good we have options now than we didn't previously, but it's like that balance as well, which. That's what Neil Warnock's paid to do. And if, if we can't get it right, then, well, I don't know. Um, but final question, Tom, it's from Bobby Cullen. And he says, Dale Fry has made his debut at 17 for Karanka. And it's taken him five managers to find his feet. Uh, do you think Warnock is, is finally getting the best out of Dale Fry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know when I was on at the end of last season, um, we were talking about him and, and saying if we got a big offer from, say, Burnley, and it always ends up being Burnley. Who we're talking about um, the Loughborough centre backs, but we, we were saying it. If we got a, an offer from them, would we be happy for him to go? And we were all kind of saying, yeah, on current form. Um, but I, I do remember saying, uh, I think the right coach could get the best out of him. Um, I think the, the the same as how Karanka got the best out of Ayala and Gibson, which I don't think they've really replicated since. Um, so I, I think that's that's what's happened with Dale Fry at the moment. I think he's finally uh, got a coach who, who's worked, worked with him and worked wonders with him. Um, and he's he's finally starting to become the, the player we were all told he was going to be when he first broke in. Yeah, and credit to Neil Warnock as well. I would, I would definitely say um, that his management is absolutely superb. Uh, in in this game, it's, you, your job really, about eighty five percent of it is probably man management and getting the best out of the crop that you've got. And I think Neil Warnock's very much doing that, um, and he's and he's done it everywhere he's been to. And so, credit to Neil Warnock for getting the best out of Dale Fry, but also, you know, he's he's done it with all the other players as well. So credit for Tawani for that and. Let's move on and let's talk about Bristol City. Uh, Bristol City aren't doing very well at the moment, and I'll leave the I'll leave the breakdown for you guys to explain why. So I'm passing the mic over to you two. Let's go, Bristol cool. City. Well, I've got some form to uh, to start off with. They're currently 24th in the Championship form table. Uh, after our, after our two wins this week, we're up to 15th. So they've kind of like replaced hey. us, us and Huddersfield in the uh, in the bottom. Uh, the last time they won was January 26th, uh, but since then they've lost seven in a row, including in the FA Cup. Lost against Derby, 1-0 away, Brentford 3-2 away, uh, Cardiff 2-0 at home, Sheffield United in the FA Cup, 1-0 away, Watford 6-0 away, Reading 2-0 at home, and Barnsley 1-0 at home. So they're not having a good time at the moment at all, and believe they've sacked the manager uh, over that, uh, that run as well. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. No wonder Dan Hall got sacked. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> go on, Dana. 
yeah, is, that... is, is the bigger problems that Modena is, is the bigger problems that Bristol City than just the, just the manager? It seems that way. I mean, they had 15 players unavailable for the game against Barnsley, which, by the way, was Barnsley's first victory at Ashton Gate in 28 years. So they've got a lot of players out. Joe Williams, who obviously Borough were, were interested in, got injured on the first day of training, then came back and got injured again. So, I mean, 15 players unavailable. And I was looking on the, the Bristol post of their injury list throughout this season it is substantial and I think you either you look at that and it's either you're just plain unlucky or something's going wrong behind the scenes and I think a lot of fans are getting quite angry at the management because they're thinking there's something going wrong behind the scenes here but yeah that game against Barnsley they they had one shot on target their xg was 0.03 I can't even pull the words from my brain to describe how bad that is like they had one shot which was about 30 yards out, 0.03. And actually in the last, um, I think it's the last five games, they've had six shots on target and zero goals. So there is a massive, massive problem with them. And um, one of the main talking points and major takeouts of the last couple of games is their lack of physicality. Um, And it was actually put to Paul Simpson after the Barnsley defeat about that. So for Borough, probably looking at that thinking, work the ball out wide, try to get it out wide in those wide areas with Watmore and Cabano as, as soon as you can and get the ball in the box for those crossing opportunities and test them. Because if they really are bad um physically show that get them to show that and, and cause some problems yeah. and make them uncomfortable um and as well as that a lot of bristol city fans were saying that adrian mariapa is slow and past it so that presents an opportunity for borough as well with again uh what and, and cabano to you know maybe even go along with fletcher for flick-ons and then have them sort of push on beyond that and again, make make Adrian Mariapa um, uncomfortable because they have pace and he doesn't. So there's two areas that Borough can potentially exploit. I mean, they are in dire straits, really. They, like Thomas said, there they've they've lost their last seven games, rock bottom of the farm table. Um, fans are calling it a, a disgrace and garbage, and a lot of fans are actually comparing it to Hull's position um, at this stage of last season, where they were similar in terms of points in league position and then obviously Hull went down so they are in a relegation battle and the, everything and more is going wrong at Bristol City so um, I've got quite a bold prediction for this game based on, on these stats so fingers crossed it can it can come true Yeah I think that this game when you're saying they're dinner on physicality I think this game will be won with the dark arts in terms of Middlesbrough have to make things really uncomfortable for Bristol City uh, mm-hmm. from the off and it comes from the defenders, so like the little things which you don't see during the game where someone will stand on your foot or like, you know, a little nipping or a little something like that. The little horrible things that you don't really see. Um and if you want to like, you know, kick the lump out of someone in the first fifteen seconds, twenty seconds, set the tone for the game, then Borough should absolutely do that. <laughs> Take the yellow and, and crack on. So it's uh I think that's how Borough will probably win it. Um we showed it at their place where we're a physical side. Bettinelli took three minutes to take a, a goal kick. Little things like that where it just, you know, it makes things horrible for them. And, yeah, I think if, if we do those things right, make things difficult for us, for them, I think we, we could have a, a good performance on our hands. Fingers crossed. Now that I've jinxed us, um, we'll probably get beat 4-0. So, uh, and they haven't won in a while either, so it yeah. just makes sense. The football gods have been notified. Mm-hmm. And I consider it, uh, considering the, the result of the game as we speak. So... Predictions, how are we feeling? I don't know what any of our ball prediction, but Tom, what are you thinking first? Uh, are you thinking a, a win, defeat, draw, Warnock to, to score the winner? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Warnock to score, score the winner. Like, um... Just back poor setter. <laughs> <laughs> Macaroni. <laughs> um, I think I'll probably go 3 0, Borough. Um, based Ooh. on all, I've got to be positive. Um, it sounds like the type of game that Sam Morsi will probably be rubbing his hands together on. Uh, when you just mentioned there, uh, really get involved with the physicality. It sounds like they've got Patches or Hulahan from Dodgeball as their fitness coach. Have fifteen players missing. Have players dodging wrenches and training and training with bricks and stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it can go one of two ways. It's the football gods or it's going to be uh, a pretty substantial win. So I'm, I'm going 3-0. I'll be interested to see how, what they do on the training ground. I reckon they, they must have a lot of like 
since they play counter-attacking football at times with the with the pace that they've got, I reckon they practice a lot of short sprints. Um, and hence why they're probably getting quite a lot of muscle injuries during that time because either the players aren't warming up properly or they just wear and tear on the muscles from constantly doing that sharp, sharp bursts, uh, which might which might affect the muscle. But um, Dana, what, what's your bold prediction? Exactly the same as Tom's, except the bold part of it is that I think Dale Fry is going to score this game. I don't think Dale Fry's actually scored for Boring yet, so Never. this is this he is the time. Any. No, he hasn't scored. I'm pretty sure he he's had like about a hundred games and also hasn't he? And uh, yeah, he hasn't scored a goal, but he did he did get an assist yesterday. So the next best thing is is a goal. Mm-hmm. And and Neil Warnock said that if um, Dale Fry scores a header. The players have to kneel. <laughs> they kneel down at kneel, I think. That's what he said. So I, I just want to see that. So Dale Fry is going to score against Bristol City. Got to kneel for kneel. Um, <laughs> so I think it's going to be, a t- you know what? I think it's going to be a really tough game. I do. I remember them coming to the Riverside last year and tearing us apart for pace. Jamie Patterson just ran the show that day, didn't he? And, uh, Oh God, I don't know, I, to be honest. I think it's going to be a lot tighter than we think. Um, they have a point to prove. They need a result and they can take a lot of confidence from the performances last year to to hopefully try and beat us again. But I think I want to go 2-1 Borough. I can see us just beating them. Um, but I can see them being very, very dangerous. And this could go either way as well. Uh, I know you guys are very bold in your predictions, but I think, it's, uh, I think it could be a really, really tough game for us. Um, just given the way they played the urge they they need a result massively and uh you know we know what Borough lay against against out of farm sides and we, we tend to do terrible against them so I wanna go two one but two three nils and a two one and that's pretty much it. So guys thank you for joining me as always and to listeners thank you for, for listening to us as well. Uh, a bit of a technical breakdown this week but we're gonna do a lot more of that over the next few weeks and months on whatever we do. But that's it. Borough have made it back to back wins since December and ignited the playoff chances again. Why did they do this to us? This has been the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was all your master chatter in a pod of the Bora Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.